Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Due to the graphic nature of the content, Detective may not be suitable for all audiences. The 911 call came in from a child, and it says that his brother is dead, and his daddy is there, and you all need to come. So I got to the hospital, and as I approached the room where Elijah was, nurses were consoling each other. The doctor had his arms around another doctor, and it was a scene that I've never seen before. I'm Garnsey Sloan for Investigation Discovery, and this is Season 2 of Detective. True stories from behind the yellow tape, the ones you don't hear on TV. That was Gary McFadden speaking. He was a homicide detective for over 27 years, a man with a personal connection to murder, which led to a long career putting away some of Charlotte's worst criminals. There's one case that still haunts Gary to this day, Elijah's case. Elijah was a victim of domestic abuse. He lost his life in the hospital that day. Gary can never forget what he saw when he walked into Elijah's hospital room young man named Elijah Berger. His father brutally beat him for two days. It was one of the cases when I arrived to the hospital. I worked with my partner for 20 years at the time. His name is Bill Ward, excellent guy. And we caught the case together, and I went to the hospital. I'm a hospital guy, as they say. I always go to the hospital. I want to start my investigation. I always go to the hospital. So I got to the hospital, and when I pulled the covers back, I saw a body of a young man with absolutely devastating injuries. It appeared that he had been beaten with a belt, and as I counted the linear marks, and I lost count, and I had to ask one of the 
hospital staff to stay with me. Everybody was so emotional. They wanted to walk out of the room. So I got to the hospital and I asked one lady, can you please just stand here to witness what I'm doing so we won't have a problem? And she did. And she was emotional during the time. And my partner, Detective Ward, called me and asked me what I had. And for the first time, I couldn't tell him. And I said, I I can't describe this. I cannot describe this. And he said, well, give me the injuries. I said, Bill, I can't. And it bothered him because he, that was the first time we couldn't communicate. So it was a bad case. But then Detective Ward had to interview this guy. And so we were back and forth giving him the injuries. And he was in the room with him. And I always told Bill, I'm glad he was in the room with him. Because I don't think I could have interviewed him in that room. And at that time, we had this wonderful lady who worked for the medical examiner's office. Her name was Lisa Mayhew. Absolutely excellent person. And she taught us what we needed to know. And over years and years, and I still take her classes, and I have a book from her. And she told us how to investigate child deaths properly. And so we had this doll that would simulate the child. And he was showing Bill how he was striking the child with the belt and what he did with the brush. And we saw all this on videotape afterwards. And I commended Bill. I said I couldn't have done that. And he said he commended me also because I was with Elijah at the hospital and saw these marks and saw these bruises. And I had to touch him and turn him over and document those things. And it took a lot. The whole case was a nightmare, but the 911 call itself will always haunt Gary. What made this more horrific, that the 911 call came in from a child. And it says that his brother is dead and his daddy is there and you all need to come. And that started the initial investigation. But the child would not eat. That was the cause of the beating. The child would not eat. And it was a situation where they were living in a hotel. So we have to look at how things are generated. You're in a one-room hotel for weeks and weeks. You can't go into the other room. You can't go down the hall. You're confined to a room. As the parents go and come, so you eat, play, and everything in this room. So things get on your nerves, but you can't run from it. And they're all into this one room day in and day out. So the difficulties of understanding that, some people have, I don't. You know, I understand that the pressure that the parents had on, but it does not constitute the beating that this child took. He beat the child because he wouldn't eat and he would not listen to what he was saying. But once we started investigating the case, then this is something that was also in the father's life previously, that he got beat when he didn't eat, and he got beat severely because he didn't eat. We arrested both the mother and the father, and we charged the mother with child neglect and everything, and we actually charged the father with murder, and he was convicted of murdering his son. Elijah's case made Gary realize the importance of father figures in children's lives. I think that the big contributing factors are fatherless homes, poverty, and latchkey kids. And because when we are talking with the mothers, they'll tell us the first thing, which I hate to hear them say, I work two jobs. Well, if you work two jobs, then you're not in your child's life. The relationship with men and boys and fathers, that's huge. And I think even if the fathers do not have a relationship with the mother, he should have a relationship with his kids, even if he's remarried. And the kids look at that. When, when I'm talking to boys, they say they miss their father. They want to emulate things that men do and be like their father. But if they never see that, they can't emulate it. They can't see their father shine shoes. They don't know how to shine shoes. One thing I do with little boys and young men, simple. 
I teach them how to tie a tie. That is huge. But when you have an 18-year-old says, I don't know how to tie a tie, average American says, why doesn't he? Well, nobody has ever showed him how. Be consistent in their lives. We are not consistent in the teens' lives. We have these events. We make them feel good. We do rallies. We do marches. But there is no consistency in their lives. And like one man said, there is more violence in our lives than good. There is more bad consistency than good. So I'm watching bad consistency all the time where I'm going to gravitate towards. I'm going to gravitate towards drug dealing, being on the street, hanging out. Nobody cares. Nobody has ever sat me down and said, that is wrong. Consistently, and that's what we don't do well. It's not that Gary feels that rallies and marches are detrimental, but his approach to working with kids is simple, allowing him to be a more consistent, positive influence in their lives. I will take that kid and I'll start showing him a different life. I'm going to have breakfast with that kid. I'm going to have lunch with that kid. And then here's what I love to do. That kid is going to get into my car and I'm going to continue my day as I planned it with that kid with me. He's going to see me shopping. He's going to see me running my errands. He's going to see me picking up my laundry. He's going to see me going to the home improvement store, trying to pick out items. I'm going to put this in my yard. I'm going to take this young man to buy clothes. He's going to look at me whether I'm going to buy the $69 pair of shoes or a $100 pair of shoes. He's going to watch me pick out a suit. I'm going to look at a shirt and a tie. He's going to watch me spend an hour just in the men's store looking for a suit. Do I feel good in this suit? He's going to watch all of that, and I think that helps him. I'm going to take him to my house, and he's going to see me. i got to pay this bill. i got to pay that bill. Where I'm going to shift this money, he's going to hear me talk to my wife. He's going to hear me talk to my kids. And I think that helps much better than just having me at a program, and you are the talking head. You're continuously talking to me, but then we also have to be great, good listeners to these kids. However, as much as Gary believes in providing caring mentorship, he also saves room for tough love, as one kid quickly found out. Jamal Tate. Jamal, I didn't know him from a can of paint. And they brought him in, but he was a tall kid, and he had this great smile. And I said, what are you doing here? And he said, they're arresting me for stealing. I said, stealing? Stealing what? So I asked the officer, can I have him for a moment? I don't know why I do this. I said, can I have Jamal for a moment? And I made Jamal put in an orange uniform, took all the stuff off, and I sat him in a room, interview room, and slammed the door. And I said, I'll be back. I came back two hours later, and he's still balled up in a knot crying. And I said, what's the problem? He says, I'm scared. I said, scared of what? How long has that been? He said, I don't know. I said, two hours. Imagine two days. Imagine two months. Imagine two years. You crying within two hours. Jamal learned his lesson quickly, and Gary eventually let him out of the interrogation room. The two bonded, and Gary still hears from Jamal to this day. Jamal stuck with me. We got him into a community college. Then all of a sudden, he called me one day. He said, I'm going over to the big college. You know, it's a very prestigious college called Queens College. He enrolled. Two years later, he graduates. He's now working as a faculty staff member. And I'm like, wow. Jamal is one of many young men that Gary has helped. He's always looking out for anyone to help. Sometimes... He's all they have. Oh, God. It is a probably, I couldn't even tell you. I, I gain one young man every week. They're special, and they're in trouble, and they're stealing money out of their mother's pocketbooks, and they're getting in a fight at school. And I love them because I'm, I call them, I text them. When you're stuck in traffic or at the airport, I text them all, what are you doing? 
how you been? You haven't called me, something wrong with your phone. So we just have that general conversation, take them out, show them different things of life, you know, just grilling at the house, just everything you do with guys as boys. And I love them. One young man, he is the first young man ever to attend college in his family. And during that high school years, one of his friends were killed. And I had spoke to him and the friends earlier that week, and I told them not to do what I think y'all going to do is go to this party this weekend. If you go to this party this weekend, it's going to be problems. Everybody knows it in the neighborhood. Everybody knows it in the city. And it's going to be a conflict because you all are beefing, really beefing. You're beefing to where the school is upset. They ignored me. They went to the party, and one of them was killed. The school ended up expelling the students involved in the party. And although it was harsh, Gary used the moment to teach his mentee personal responsibility. He's bawling and crying and bawling and crying. Their high school basketball team was West Charlotte High School, and he played with um, Meeks, who plays now for North Carolina. They lost the championship game one year, and I said it was because of him. When the game was lost, because he was expelled from school, I put the burden that he let his team down. That kid now has graduated, and he's playing ball someplace in Florida at a junior college. But when he got that scholarship to acceptance, it was the million-dollar lottery to him. He was excited because he finally got to go to college. He'd never had a dream to go to college, never even thought about going to college until I told him how good he was. It's all about instilling confidence at a young age, giving children a path to focus on. And one way to do that is to just be there so they know you care. Imagine just being at a kid's game and at the end of the game, you give him a bottle of Gatorade. That's all. Not a uniform, not a jacket, not a watch. At the end of every game, you give him a bottle of Gatorade and you kind of walk to his car or walk to the bus stop and you say, well, you did this in the game. You know, you should have pulled up here. You should have guarded this guy a little bit better. Simple little things. Yes, Mr. G, I know I should have did. And I said, you know, you're getting tired in the third quarter. You need to run more. You need to build up your stamina and your win. Yeah, yeah, I know. These are encouragement. When he looks in the stand and I'm there as his dad, that's huge for these kids. And just being there for them. But I have, safe to say, probably 10 or 15 little boys running around with who I call my sons or they call me Uncle G. Being Uncle G is a point of pride for Gary. But he doesn't believe that he chooses the kids that he helps. Well, I believe that kids choose me. Some kids ask for me. Some kids gravitate towards me. And sadly enough, I can't turn them away if they do. And I just pick them up and bring them into my life and put them in my car and take them to my house and go to their football games and basketball games and take little girls out to dinners and watch them eat for the first time in their life calamari. I think that's huge when you take a kid out and you describe to eat something and they don't know what they're eating and then you get in a car and you laugh about it later and and it becomes a joke. And then, Mr. Gary, where are we going again? I have kids graduate from high school every year and simply I buy their cap and gown, uh, I buy their dress, I get their hairs and nails done. Uh, little boys or young men, I get their hair cut and, you know, put a suit, a tie on them. And sadly enough, I watch them from a distance at the graduations. I'm not close to them. I don't go hug and say, we did it or anything. And, and one little girl got upset with me because she said, I didn't come close enough for me to hug her. I said, we've been through it. So this is just the finale. And uh, I remembered her. I came to speak at her church, and her mother came to me and said, you need to talk to Jasmine. 
Jasmine is another person that Gary holds close to his heart. He recently walked her down the aisle at her wedding, but they weren't always so nice to each other. In fact, Jasmine had quite a rough start. Jasmine was a fighter. Jasmine would fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. And the school system says she cannot enter high school because she's been kicked out of so many middle schools and fighting that they would not let her attend a high school. And so I went to the high school and I talked to the principal and I had these strong conversations, you know, with her teachers and asking them to understand her first and give her a chance. And so when I'm telling Jasmine, we have no more strikes, the next strike, you're out. I told Jasmine, I'm putting my name on the line, my reputation on the line, not saying that it was a good rep, a big reputation, but I, I convinced her, look, I'm doing everything I can for you. I'm fighting for you. I am here for you. I'm coming to the school on your first fight and argue with the principals and all. I'm there on the third fight. They're telling me you got one more time. I'm saying she can make it. Give her a chance. She can make it. And we got her in high school and she did extremely, extremely well. Now, the first year was tough. Jasmine ran away, but we had an agreement that if you run away, that's fine. But every morning, as long as you're away from home, you have to call me. So Jasmine had to get up wherever she's at, whatever she's doing, and call me that morning. And you say, why? And me and Jasmine talked about it later. And I said, Jasmine, this is why I asked you to do this. And, and I told her in the middle of one of the times she ran away, I said, my job is homicide. My job is murder. My job is to go out when a body is found. I don't want to get up one morning and I have not heard your voice. And because I have not heard your voice, I'm nervous on a call when I get to say, we have a young lady in the trunk of a car. We have a young lady behind the building. And then when I arrive on that scene and that yellow or white sheet is over that person, I don't want to pull back that sheet and see you, Jasmine. So give me the respect enough just to call me every morning. And she did a couple times and she got tired calling me and then she stopped running away. It's funny how forcing a teen to talk to you can help change their behavior. But the effect Gary had on Jasmine really did transform her life. And I said, Jasmine, you got to make this happen. you got to make this happen for me. I said, you need to get involved in some things. You know, be the leader at school. Participate more. And she started to. And then she became this wonderful person in school. She became very known. And she's helping with the student body. And she's organizing, you know, events at the school. And I was like, wow. And so for the last two years, I really took my hands off of her and let her just evolve. And when she involved, her senior year was the easiest because then we had to, you know, buy the school packages and pick out the photos and the graduation. And she came to me her senior year and we talked about, you know, her exiting the school and what she was going to do. And I said, well, we have to buy you a dress. And she said, really? I said, yeah, we have to buy you a dress. And she said, really? And it was amazing to her that I was going to spend what she believed is a lot of money on her. And she got her hair done. She got her nail done. And she graduated and she's, she's not struggling. And so... um people like Jasmine I always think about. Detective is produced by Investigation Discovery and is part of the Panoply Network with special thanks to Kevin Bennett, Amy Angelowitz, and Emily Kaiser. This episode was produced by Tom Hina. Many thanks to the best audio engineer in the business, Joe Powers. Original music was composed by the talented Chris Kennedy and remixed by Joe Powers. Cover art was designed by Nan Galat. Sign up now on iTunes to get new episodes of Detective on your feed and join me Garnsey Sloan, 
next week for an all-new episode. Until then, check out crimefeed.com for all your latest crime news. On the next episode of Detective, Gary shares his perspective on the relationship between police departments and African-American communities. So every year we lose 6,000 African-American men and women from the face of the earth. And if you want to include them into the officer-involved shootings, that's great. But every year we lose 6,000. We don't lose 5,000 African-American men and women to law enforcement every year. So if we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter, then let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.